Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How many people, when they heard the truth through singing, through your kindness, through a couple of the people that went and got their own vans and shuttled people and put a little sign in their free taxi. Yes. You say, well, that didn't teach anybody anything. Oh, I beg to differ. That taught a lot. And then, of course, here. So they heard the teaching, the truth, many ways. How many lives are changed? Probably thousands. Why? Because the truth changes people's lives. See, don't ever underestimate the truth. The Word of God's powerful. It's incredibly powerful. When you hear someone talk about the teaching process, it's easy to flash back to some level of school, usually with the worst teacher you had. Although that's the tendency, you've probably found that teaching can happen many different ways. Pastor Mark will be sharing today about God's gift of teaching and all of the different ways that can be shown. Hearing about this just might open your eyes to the possibility that you could be used to illustrate and demonstrate God's truth to His people. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his series called Motivational Gifts. You remember not long ago, because we don't have teenagers and we don't have kids in our home anymore, get up grandkids. I talked to you about MySpace.com. Anybody remember? Because there was a huge article in the USA Today. I really didn't know that much about it, except from reading it. Now what do you see constantly? All the television programs about it, kids being abused, all kinds of stuff. Well, see, that's where you live. Now, if I don't read, I'll never know that, because I don't have teenagers anymore. So I read to know where you are and then take those truths and use this. So if you have the gift of teaching, you have to be an avid reader, a researcher, not just the word of God. Here's the problem. You might be an avid, you want to know all the stories, but you're really Bible light. Well, you don't want to be Bible light because the thing's going to change people's lives is the Bible, not USA Today. Okay. But that has to come first, but you can't mix the other. So notice, as you understand that, this person is a great learner. They just keep learning. By the way, the minute you stop learning, you stop living. Look at Acts 17. Skip out of verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this, Paul, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. By the way, that would not be a teacher, because they're just rambling on about nothing. They have no goal in mind. Paul then stood up in the meeting of this era of Pegasus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way 
you are very religious. Well, how did he know that? For I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship. So I even found an altar to this inscription to the unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am about to proclaim to you who is known. Now how did Paul do that? Paul was a tremendous teacher. How did he relate to those people? He didn't get on the USA Today. He didn't get on the internet. He walked among them. And he listened to what they were saying. And he heard, and he saw, and he taught from their viewpoint. That's what you have to do if you're going to be a great teacher. If you're going to have the gift of teaching and be used for kids ministry, anywhere in a small group, one-to-one discipleship. You have to know where people are. And you have to see where they're at so that you can write the truths of God's word to them. Next, number seven. A person with the gift of teaching prefers teaching believers, in other words, discipleship, more than engaging in evangelism. But they'd really rather focus on the growing of people rather than getting people saved. Number eight, the person with the gift of teaching believes biblical truth has the power to produce change. That's why they teach. Small group setting, men's group, ladies group, couples groups, publicly, kids, whatever. The only reason they teach is, number one, they know that the truth John 8, to the Jews who believed when Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many people, when they heard the truth, through singing, through your kindness, through a couple of the people that went and got their own vans and shuttled people and put a little sign in their free taxi? Yes. You say, well, that didn't teach anybody anything. Oh, I beg to differ. That taught a lot. And then, of course, here. So they heard the teaching, the truth, many ways. How many lives are changed? Probably thousands. Why? Because the truth changes people's lives. See, don't ever underestimate the truth. The Word of God's powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And we get the privilege of seeing it in all these varied forms. Now, if I operate in my flesh, and I have the gift of teaching, what are the dangers? Number one, tends to neglect the practical application of truth. We've talked about that. If a teacher gets going and they got all these facts (laughs) and they're going to give them to you, forget the application. I'm giving you lots of stuff now. Just learn it. And you had that in school. If you ever had a physics class and the guy just gave you facts and no application, you never got it. Unless you're like one of these genius kids. That's why I changed, by the way, from calculus and physics. When I got those two classes, the Lord spoke to me. (laughs) It was direct revelation. And I went into pharmacy, okay? No more physics. Chemistry, I love all these bodies and stuff. I like all that stuff, but forget this physics. I could never do it. So I married a woman that has those abilities. She can put things together, fix toilets, do whatever, see 3D. 3D, I can't even, I don't even know what 3D is. Number two, here's a big one. May appear prideful of their learning and intellectual ability. Do you have anybody ever talk down to you? See, if you go to a church and you feel talked down to, you'll never come back. Condescending. You mean you didn't know that? So what do I try to do? Not that I'm perfect by any means. But what do I try to do often? I'll say to you, by the way, we're getting ready to turn to Acts chapter 18. Now on a Sunday, we have lots more people that are not used to the Bibles. Would you ever hear me say, what do you mean you don't, you don't know where Acts is? How long have you been in church? Oh, this is your first week? Well, come on, get with the program. Well, they never come back. So what do we say? 
Don't be embarrassed. Ask somebody. It's okay. We all, by the way, did we all start together? We all started, we didn't know where Acts was either. Did you? No, you didn't. Some of you didn't even know there was a New Testament and an Old Testament. You realize today how many people don't even know anything about the Bible. That's good. They're here. We're going to teach them. So we have to be careful that we don't ever be condescending. I was listening to somebody, Linda and I, as we was driving the car today, somebody teaching on this application part. And somebody was saying, I thought it was really good, talking to a pastor. He said, I just love my pastor, the church I go to. He's so brilliant in his teaching. I just love the church. He's so brilliant. Nobody knows what he's ever talking about. He's a great teacher. (laughs) Something's wrong here, isn't it? You see, we're not here to impress you. You know what you'll discover? And this is what I like about Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck is a brilliant Bible scholar. But if you listen to him, it's just as common as day is day long. Very simple. So, in Acts, we see this specific principle being applied. Look at it down in verse 24. Meanwhile, chapter 18, verse 24. Let me just go through some things and show you how Apollos is this person with the gift of teaching. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, Egypt, as you know, brilliant scholarly city, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Here's the caveat. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So notice what you see, things we talked about before. He's logical, he's intellectually sharp, he's accurate, biblically focused, he's diligent. Verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they had invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. In other words, he was a brilliant teacher, but he really didn't know anything about Jesus and Jesus' baptism. He just knew about John the Baptist and his baptism. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. They hear him teach. What does a teacher do? A teacher checks out other teachers. And they go, whoa, there's something missing. What he said was terrific, but there's something missing here. And so what do they do? They take him to their home and what? They teach him. See, a teacher is always what? Learning. Now, I want you to see the incredible picture here. Apollos is brilliant, learned, scholar, Alexandria. What did Aquila and Priscilla do? They made tents. But guess who corrected them? Two tent makers who knew more truth. So be careful that you don't fall for the deal that this man or woman has these degrees and that makes them a good teacher. No, that just means they got that many degrees. I'm not against Bible training. I think Bible college is excellent. I think further training is excellent. If you're in a biblical theological course that believes in the Bible, that's our problem today. But this is the difficulty. You can go through all the training and not, number one, maybe have the gift of teaching. Or number two, don't have any anointing. Or come out and teach things that you you just blow over people's heads all the time. Remember, everyone in the Bible, except for Paul, that we know, the apostles, they never really had biblical training. 
except with the master. And they got it down pretty good, didn't they? They did okay. Paul, what? He had great training, and he used it and became one of the scholars. So we send our kids to Bible college because we believe that's there. But be careful that you don't equate doctor's degree to a great teacher. If the person's a learner, they can do it. Verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. So notice... He's more interested in discipleship than evangelism. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. There's that biblical focus again. Whoa, wait a minute now. He is the Christ. Now, here's the third key problem for people who operate in the flesh, not in the spirit. The person with the gift of teaching is operating in the flesh, has trouble limiting what he or she has learned when they teach publicly. I don't have that problem ever. I hated to write this down because there's a problem I have. See, a person that has the gift of teaching, when they get into it, they have four pages and five pages and six pages. And then they find another thought, and they have seven and eight and nine. And then they go, okay, I can do six. What am I going to cut out? I can't cut out anything out. And so in the old days, people that would teach just topically, it always became a series. Did you get it? It didn't start out as a series. It just became a series because there was more and more and more and more. And that's hard for anybody. You'll see Dave and Pastor Dean and Pastor Dave laughing over there because they have the same problem. Where do you cut? Because you want to say, you got to learn this. I can't stop. I got, I got one more point. You got to learn this. Well, actually, we got 10, 12 more points. I just don't have time to give them to you. Okay. Now, how do we grow on the gift of teaching? Let me give these quickly. Number one, we have to balance the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You can just write down that we won't turn there. John 14, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the Spirit of truth who will be with you forever. John 14, verse 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. So, Pastor Dean and Pastor Dave, myself, Pastor Kenny, other teachers, who finally says to us, these are the only points you're going to be able to get in. These are the ones you want to focus on. Forget the rest. Who does that? The Holy Spirit. Who is teaching you? Holy Spirit's teaching you. I mouth the word. I'm just a conduit to you. But the Holy Spirit is the great teacher. So we have to understand there's a great danger, especially today with computers, to rely on research and commentaries and tapes and CDs and forget who the real teacher is, the Holy Spirit. Number two, how do we balance? We teach by example. The more I learn, I'm not effective giving it to you unless I'm walking it out. I can tell you the point, but if I can't walk it out, then it's why teach it. I want to teach from life principle. I want to teach by an example. That's what a great teacher does. Jesus says, immediately goes what? Gets baptized. Why did he get baptized? Didn't he? He did it as what? Example for the people. So you see Jesus, he, remember, he washed the feet. What did he say? I'm teaching you by what? By example. Those of your parents, listen to this point. This is huge. We are to teach mostly by example. Number three, include practical illustrations. We've talked about that. You understand what that means. 
you have to just make sure that what you're getting across has something that people can go, got it, I got it, it's good. And they don't sit here at the end of the service and go, what was that about? So the applications make that possible. Number four, continue to be a student of the word, of life, and people. I hope, and I feel I am myself, I don't mean that pridefully, because you know most pastors, whatever, 10 years ago, they like you to throw those tapes out. I, I know I've improved in my ability to communicate the Word of God, because I know God better. I've had more years. If God gives me another 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever, I hope, if I'm still teaching then, different settings or whatever, that I'll be a better teacher then than now. But see, the truth never changes. That's okay, because God just takes it and works it through you. But I should be changing because not only is the word coming through me, but the word is living in me. And number five, remember this teacher is normally concerned more with the discipleship, and that's okay. But there has to be some evangelism there because all of us, we don't have the gift of evangelism, but all of us have been called to make disciples, as you see in Matthew 28 uh, and 19 and 20. Now, I want to show you this verse, and then I want you to turn to one more passage. I'm going to just take about three minutes to challenge you at the end, big time. Let's go on to the next verse in Colossians. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. You see, this is the body of Christ. We do our stuff with our gifts. We all have a gift. We're all working together. We're a team. You're part of us. This is your church. These are our people in our community. Paulo said, somebody planted, somebody watered, somebody fertilized a little bit, somebody weeded a little bit. But who gives the increase? God. God has to give the increase. It's not you. It's not me. Can't get proud. Can't say, well, I'm the one that planted the seed. You already know that if you planted some seeds recently and didn't any water, there ain't nothing coming up in this land. It's dry. Got it? So again, that's that balance to understand every one of these gifts are important. And the person parking people, the person welcoming people, the people doing the videos, making the CDs, the DVs, the office people that make this place happen during the week, we're a team. We work together. Now, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to share something with you. And I don't do this for you to get all uptight, get angry and start picketing or whatever. You have to understand that how many times have I told you that we're in spiritual warfare? And there's always things against us. But I want you to see specifically, and I think it's crucial because we're talking about the gift of teaching for our children. There's an organization, I won't even mention the name, but there's a big organization out with lots of things. This is what came out in the last month. These people hate Christianity. And they have little ads, and they were putting these ads, and I'll read two of them to you in a moment, and little Easter eggs, and giving them out to any child that they could. 
Also, they were infiltrating our churches. We didn't seem to have any here with CDs about God's ridiculous. There is no God, whatever. And leaving them in our songbooks and whatever. Nothing illegal about that. They weren't causing problems. They weren't, they were just trying to infiltrate the churches. And there's this huge thing on the web about people going. And one of the individuals had gone to the Catholic church and just put them in all of their hymnals and whatever. Now, don't go home and tell you, well, I'm going to put a sign on. We're not after that. I want to make you aware that we're always at war. These people just need the Lord. Their focus is one thing, majorly, children, this ad says. Happy Easter. Here's a fun game. Ask your mom and dad, is the Easter bunny real? Now ask him, is Santa Claus real? Now ask, is Jesus real? And remember this for the rest of your life. The answer to these three questions will always be the same. But what's the answer? No. So they're equating Jesus with Santa Claus and Easter. This next one, incredible. You talk in your face. Do you know that your parents and pastor are wrong when they tell you about God and the devil? That's right. Everything in the Bible is actually just a fairy tale. Sometimes grown-ups try to trick children into being good by making up scary stories. That's kind of mean, isn't it? So the next time an adult tries to scare you with things like hell and damnation, just say, stop trying to scare me. That's mean. Now, who is this focused at? It's focused at our children. And in this article, the pastors and I listened to a tape, the person said to him, well, won't people get mad when you're trying to focus on children? And the individual said, well, they can get mad if they want, but Christian parents have brainwashed their children into believing there's a God. Now, I ask you to turn to Deuteronomy. Let's just take a look. What am I trying to talk to you about? Chapter 6, look at verse 6 through 9. This is the importance of parents teaching their children the truth of God's word. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. So what is Satan out to do? He's out to destroy our children. I won't take time. You can go to the book of Exodus. Let me give you the chapter. You might look at it later. Chapter 10. And you'll see in chapter 10, Moses says to Pharaoh, I want to take the people and we want to go worship. First time, Pharaoh says back to Moses, well, you can take the adults, but you're not taking the children here. Because he knew if they took the children, they may not come back. You can take the adults, but I'm not going to let you take the children. See, Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. What's he doing way back then? Trying to keep the children from knowing God. Of course, Moses comes back and says, not a chance. God puts another plague. Eventually... And later in that chapter, I think verse 24, Pharaoh says, okay, you can take the children. I just want to say this to you. Understand that Satan is after everyone. He is real. We don't have to be afraid. We can combat him easily with the truth because the truth always wins. But you, as a parent specifically, need to understand the incredible privilege and responsibility you have to teach your children because the enemy is trying to sideline them. Second, in this church, 1,100 children, many of them from homes where a parent can't teach them because they don't know yet. We have an awesome privilege and responsibility in the 252 in the Awana program. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you that helped, all of you that worked. Those of you that are teachers in here, 
when you sit with your kids this week, remember the tremendous privilege you have of communicating to them. Because you may be the only one giving them truth so they don't hear this garbage from people who are trying to steal our kids. In his message today, Pastor Mark talked about the things he does to keep on top of his game as a teacher. You learned that it involves more than studying the Bible, keeping up on what's going on in society so that he can show you how the Bible applies to your daily living. This is what he's trying to do. You also learn the importance of parents being teachers as well. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This wraps up Pastor Mark's message on the motivational gift of teaching. Next time, he'll begin the section of this series, Motivational Gifts, that deals with the gift of exhortation. You'll learn that it's about more than just telling people they're doing something wrong. Pastor Mark will show how this gift really involves a lot of positivity and encouragement. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. I heard his word made flesh in a hurry.